Hello, and welcome to Modest Conversations. Um, as you hopefully know, the point of Modest Conversations is to have modest conversations. Uh, I'm here with my extremely close friend and investing partner at Slow Ventures, Dave Morin. Hey, Sam. Good and to be here for the first Modest Conversation. It's great to have you. We've and been talking about this long enough. Yeah, no, we might as well do it, right? Yeah. So, you know, I think um, the topic on the day is a thing that you kind of proposed recently to me and I thought was like a fascinating concept to explore, which is this idea of digital drugs. Um, do you want to like talk a little about like what your conception of digital drugs are and where this is all going? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think that we've been having a lot of these conversations um, at Slow Ventures and just generally in the Valley lately um, about... You know, ideas like VR and AR and uh, all of these new interfaces that are starting to come out um, and be talked about. But um, generally, I think that, that a lot of the way that we're thinking about this is dramatically wrong uh, in that most of the conversations you hear people having about uh, these things relate to putting movies or you know TV or current media forms um, into these new interfaces. And... Um, I think that it's actually more likely that we're going to see um, wildly new uh, concepts happen um, that look something more like digital drugs uh, than, uh, uh, you know, say a movie on VR. Um, and, uh, and we've started to see some of this come through uh, the pipeline and I think in the, in the ecosystem, um, you know, whether it's uh, some of the work that Adam Gazeli is doing over at UCSF with trying to treat ADHD using uh, video games or, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, 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 other things like that. So I don't know. I think that's like um, some of the framework. Uh, and yeah. uh, this is the first time I've done this. So I'm, I'm trying to you know, do a good job. No, well, look, I mean, you know, you know, we don't edit these, so <laughs> we're just riffing it as we go. Yeah. I mean, I think so. The interesting thing that struck for me is, I mean, you talk about like, the point of being in VR or, you know, some things you can do with, you know, the, an audio input or a visual input for people. And, you know, people talk about games, obviously. People talk about productivity. But there's this whole other viewpoint on it, which is just like, well, wait a minute. Why don't we just use these inputs to talk about altering mental states? Yeah. Um, and both that can be for treating things or for recreation or a bunch of other stuff. Totally. I mean, I think that the, the common problem when you transition from a uh, one medium to the next is this one where we tend to think of what's possible in the new medium by using metaphors from the old one. So the, the famous story that we used to use at Facebook a lot was uh, that when TV came along, you would see a lot of uh, people reading radio ads in front of the, you know, in front of the the video camera. And yeah. that, as we know, is not the way that TV ads ended up looking. Um, you know, I think today we've got the 30 second TV spot and TV's evolved now to be this like, you know, binge watching multi, uh, you know, uh, multi uh, episode, episodic kind of new storytelling. And, um, you know, but it started in this like very weird place where they were using the old medium to inform yeah. the new one. And so I think that's a lot what's going on in these conversations in the Valley right now. Yeah. You know, we're talking about VR and it's great. And, you know, oh, by the way, VR isn't even in that many people's hands yet. So it's not even actually a medium. We're just yeah. talking theoretically that it might be a medium. And while we're doing that, we're only talking about it in the context of like 
feature films, and oh, wouldn't it be great if you could look around and have multiple storylines in the video and yeah. you know all that stuff, rather than saying, holy cow, this VR headset is actually a entirely new input device for the brain uh and you can actually stream data straight into your eyeballs yeah. you know uh and like what would be possible doing that yeah right? and how similar is that for instance to like ingesting like psychotropics or something like that now it's right? not that different right like if you think about each sense as a data input device to the brain because at the end of the day the brain is sitting inside of your skull in the dark it has no it doesn't have eyeballs, you know, it doesn't have taste buds or ears. It is just accepting data from those peripherals um, and turning it into what, you yeah. know, you perceive as that data. Yeah. And so you could use any of those input devices to um, create perception. Really. Yeah, and totally. So, and I think what's interesting to me is you talk about, you know, you talk about television, for instance, and yeah, this is like classic McLuhan, the medium is the message type stuff, right? Cool. And, you know, you mentioned how you, you go from like what it, when the medium of television was locked onto a schedule and broadcast, and now it's evolved into what it means to be on the internet, um, it changes a heck of a lot about what you can do with it, right? These like long narrative story arcs you couldn't accomplish because you weren't sure everyone saw every episode before, or you only like needed to bring everybody along to the next episode. Right. So yeah. there's flashback. I mean, there's all this stuff that's changed in, even in that niche. I wonder with like take VR for instance. Like one thing that's always frustrated me about VR is that while the interesting long-term story is cool, we can make it totally realistic and lifelike. Not even close right now, right? And so the question is in like the near-term horizon. You know, the obvious answer has become games, right? Because games are basically the same thing. It's just a game with a bigger screen and a little bit of feedback. But is the, that even a thing? I mean, like games are not yet selling VR fair, fair. to a scale. Yeah, but at all. Totally fair. The question in my mind, though, is like you know, recontextualize it. Again, you proposed this. I thought it was a really interesting way to think about it. Is like you know, the drugs model, either like, you know, a therapeutics perspective or recreational perspective, like all of a sudden, if you really treat the eyes as an input device and say, look, we're not trying to make games, we're not trying to proxy reality, we're trying to create something totally different, right? Um, That's like a very intriguing concept. Yeah. Um, I mean, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be the eyes, right? Like, we've already had, you know, we're using this like, you know, audio input device to record this conversation. You've got headphones sitting on the table. We have a lot of actually very high fidelity ways to input data to the brain. We just haven't started thinking of it that way. You know, we're starting to see some people in the market thinking about it this way. Yeah. Um, And I think part of it is that, you know, we haven't had uh, the ability to deconstruct, say, music or visual input into an algorithm that, you know, could then be uh, modified to create a therapeutic experience or, you know, and so we're starting to have some of that, I think, through, I don't know, maybe it's applied machine learning or whatever, like we're actually starting to be able to deconstruct some of these things and say, well, if we change the way that those sounds work or the way that this visual input works, then wow, it can have a really therapeutic effect totally so i think that brings to mind for me i mean the obvious like mass examples is like the the rise in popularity of like meditation apps totally it's an argument that that's like a digital drug right because meditation has these therapeutic benefits kind of an indirect one you're using a digital experience and delivery mechanism to deliver that to the person um absolutely and i mean i think what you could say is that the first wave of meditation apps um was pretty human right like it was literally 
I think no more sophisticated in some ways than what we're doing right now. It yeah. took like a really smart meditation teacher or like in the case of, I think uh, a few of these apps have, you know, like Buddhist monks that do the meditations, but really they're like sitting in a sound studio yeah. and recording it. And that's been like the first wave of these. Yeah. And so the question is, are we going to see a second wave where um, you start to see feedback loops integrated and, um, algorithmic work integrated that yeah. potentially could, you know, modulate and make the meditation experience like even more, uh, not intense, but more effective yeah. per se. Totally. Or like, even, I guess thinking out loud, like, would you argue that like Peloton, right. Is like bordering on some of this stuff, like digital delivery of an experience, which admittedly is very tied Maybe. to exercise, a little indirect. Um, but there is kind of this aspect of how do you push bits instead of like pharmaceuticals mm -hmm. to alter mental states. Yeah, and I love like that. this idea of replacing everything in the medicine cabinet with digital tools. Yeah. You know, with that let tools. the body heal yeah. itself yeah. or whatever it's going to yeah. be. And I'm sure there are limits to this. Obviously. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, let's be clear on that. I, I don't think it's a, there's probably not a panacea here. You know, I think that what we're seeing is that there are some use cases already emerging where, you can do that, yeah. but like, I don't think it's like there are some biological problems yeah. that you probably need, you yeah. know, uh, more intense tools. For. Yeah. I mean, one you and I have also been talking about a bunch has been like the audio input. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think there's interesting, you look at like, like electronic dance music, like that coupled with some of the drug culture that goes on there, or you look at, frankly, like I listen only to classical music when I'm working with some, some rare exceptions Same. now starting to evolve because like that, it's actually about, about managing flow state, managing yeah. the input. I figured that out in the middle of college. I used to sit in the big library and study and I realized pretty early on that I would not be able to focus yeah. if it wasn't for certain kinds of classical music. Yeah. You know, if it was like, you know, the 1812 overture is like not as effective as, you know, some of the more uh, chill flow state creating classical yeah. music or frankly electronic. And when I was in college, electronic was just emerging. And yeah. so there was like, you know, uh, only a few genres. Now you've got like, you know, a rainforest of yeah. electronic genres. Yeah. And so finding the right one for you can sometimes be hard. Yeah. So it's interesting. So you have like, basically it's kind of feels like there's a few things that you have some companies and, and experiences that are focused on like new inputs to the brain. Like, um, the think, right. Is a good example where it's like, okay, cool. Let's find a new route in. Is think the electric. Yeah. 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 And then there's like the muse is another, like one I've played with for a while, which is like the flip side. It's a monitoring, like when you're meditating, giving you a sense of like, you know, how, what is going on in your brain. Oh, but see. it's like, there's like, it's almost like you can either create new inputs or you can hijack or mini EGs. Like they actually, yeah, I think they're, so. they're read only. They're not input. One of the, so the, the muse is read only. Mm. The think is right. Oh yeah. The think is the one that shocks you slightly. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, it's the, the thing that's kind of striking me as we're talking about this is like, you have like what's going on in like the digital drug world. You have a few people who are trying to create like new inputs or outputs that are, you know, like help you manage something, but are kind of, and then you have like a whole bunch of people who are dabbling on saying, cool, like we're about to create these new inputs and outputs, I mean, or new ways to access them and get feedback, audio, visual, et cetera. How do we effectively hijack those, right? Yeah. Um, to not just like help people enjoy things or, you know, do whatever, or like have fun or even be informed, but actually to like, help them heal or change mental state or monitor something, et cetera. One of my favorite stories of this is um, uh, 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 down at Stanford. Um, they have a, uh, in the, I think it's in the neuroscience lab, 
um, they, uh, they, they've got this vest that they created, which effectively uses old research from the 50s. You know, I mean, there was research, I think it was the 50s or 60s, you know, this is 50 years ago, where they were taking uh, electronic actuators and pushing on people's back, you know, with like a specially designed chair to try to substitute senses for uh, people that were deaf or blind. Um, and uh, now they've created this vest, which uses cell phone actuators. So it's literally vibrating, you know, the, the motor that makes your phone vibrate. Yep. And they filled the vest with those. And then they put the vest on somebody who has uh, either is blind or deaf and then they attach a, you know, for somebody who's blind, they have a video camera and a pair of glasses that collects uh, visual data. Or if it's uh, somebody who's deaf, it's a microphone like the one we're using. And they stream that into the vest. Yeah. And the vest vibrates in this in these, like, patterns. Yeah. And I think it's after three months of training, the person can effectively, like, walk down, you yeah. know, a hallway. Like, they've got sight again. And, like... Yeah. That's pretty extraordinary. Yeah. And most people hear that and they're like, wait, how is that possible? Um, but uh, if you talk to David Eagleman, the, you know, the, the, the neuroscientist um, who does this study, he calls it the Mr. Potato Head, uh, or he calls it the pH theory of evolution, the yeah. potato head theory of evolution, that we all forget that, the, again, the brain is inside of this black, dark you know, skull, and it doesn't actually have eyeballs or yeah. ears or whatever. And well, the, it's the, just accepting data. The other right? one I love in his inputs is hijacking the tongue. There's been a yeah. lot of, like, research and work done on this thing. You know, you have incredible sensitivity in your tongue. You can hijack that for an input, too. But it's, yeah. I guess it's interesting because when I'm thinking out loud, it's almost like you break down into technologies that hijack... I guess I guess there isn't really a distinction. I was going to say between new new senses or new inputs to the brain and then hijacking old ones. And mm -hmm. the reality is, it's kind of I guess a spectrum. Yeah, I mean, you could argue. I think about this a lot that like the last ten years of internet work has been only eye related, mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting. Yeah, it's like some audio, right? Yeah. And oh, like that's pretty interesting. Like we've only been working on interfaces that you know your eyeball it's like data that goes into your eyes well in and fairness i feel like the generation before if you think about the phone we and the radio we only worked on ears yeah <laughs> so there's an interesting way to, to draw it through yeah so and like it wasn't until multi-touch that like fingers got back in the game yeah. you know it was like the keyboard and the mouse were like kind of a pretty bad proxy for like that yeah. sensory input um, or at least that feedback loop yeah. um and so i don't know it's interesting so let me ask you one other question on this topic which i think is a fascinating which is like what is the FDA going to do? I mean, so for so they've been regulating with this kind of class. There's been a class of drugs that you ingest that they regulate. There are some therapeutics that are obviously not drugs that they regulate. But like, how is this going to play out? Because there's a question of hypothetically, let's pretend you are creating great digital drugs yeah. that help you with lots of problems, etc. Insurance complex, government complex. What happens in the next ten years? It's a good question. I mean, I think um, Adam Gazali, uh, who I mentioned earlier, UCSF. I mean, he already has his video game for ADHD, um, which, by the way, works not just for ADHD, but for many other brain health problems um, in phase three with the FDA. And so he's communicated to me that they've been quite open and very interested in this. Um, but, I mean, I think it's just like any emergent technology where I think it's probably incumbent upon us to spend quite a lot of time educating and, you know, teaching the FDA and whatever, various regulative entities around the world um, on the importance of this. But 
But it's a double-edged yeah. double sword because I think the other interesting question is like you can move currently so quickly, right? Because you know no one's really regulating my claims or my attempts to you know soothe you know to use music in various ways um, at scale, right? And do experiments around that. I just it's an interesting question about you know obviously the regulation you want to get you a lot of safety, gets you mass scale, it gets you a lot of great things, but it also comes with some costs and like when the right what the right balance is there that if this is a real thing we want, we want to see. There's probably a pretty hard question here, uh, which is not just related to digital drugs, but to all drugs um, and food. (laughs) So FDA, uh, which is as algorithms and applied machine learning and these like very sophisticated tools start to play out, not just uh, digitally, but chemically, and in all of these realms, how does how do we think about this from a regulatory regulatory perspective? You know, we could spend a whole another podcast talking about you know what's going on in food and in drugs sure. um, as it relates to you know stuff we talk about in Silicon Valley all the time, whether it's uh, big data tech or machine learning tech being applied to these areas yeah. and, rat- and creating dramatically you know uh, new. Um, opportunities and uh, new products at a speed at which has never happened before, you know? And so this is like going to be a pretty important question. I feel like not just digitally, yeah. uh, you know? Well, it all leads me back also. I mean, as with most things to like the science fiction writers have already written about this, like snow crash, a key book in the canon, right? I mean, there's a lot of questions about, you know, you talk about the whole story there. I mean, fundamentally, there's a digital drug component to that. And like, what ends up happening? What do you need to regulate? What do you need to protect from a virus perspective? You know, if you get to a world where an audio, if you get to a world where people are using VR or audio input or whatever to meaningfully like impact mental large states, except in large yeah. numbers of people, like that's a whole new level of hacking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess as with any technology advancement, um, it makes your head hurt, but I guess that's a good thing. It's a thing. <laughs> anyway, Dave, thanks for talking about this a little bit. I think this is yeah. a cool conversation. And I look forward to having many more of these with you. Yeah. Um, how many of these uh, modest, or how often will we hear modest, modest conversations? I, I think pretty often. I mean, you know, the, the trick is these are fun conversations we have anyway. So I yeah. feel like we might as well record them, share them, um, partially because that gives you some accountability to your ideas um, with the population. Like I love sharing things because I think it, you can kind of look back and say, okay, like I'm actually accountable for this. This isn't just BS. Um, to more than just myself, but then also it's like, an, I think it's a cool record to keep. Yeah. Right. Like let's look back in 10 years and figure out what we thought or didn't think. Yeah. I think that audio is, as we're talking about, you know, emerging as a pretty interesting medium and yeah. particularly a pretty interesting intellectual medium. Um, so it's cool that you're doing this. Cool, man. Yeah. Listen, till the next time. <laughs>